Hi, it's John Bernadovich, your host of the H Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to season three. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope of finding what it takes to do HR like a boss. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. On today's show, I'm super excited to be joined by Heno Turner. Heno was a connection through a mutual friend of ours, and I'm super excited to have you on the HR Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so Heno, tell us a little bit about your background, your passion for HR, and what you're doing these days. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, you know, I think like most HR professionals, I started off uh, not in the HR field. I kind of kind of fell into my lap, and so after I, um, I remember way before, like back when I was in in uh, school, and I was trying to figure out, you know, after graduating college, after attending law school, I well, what what is it that I want to do? really, because it's not be a lawyer. And I said, okay, um, let me start taking some classes. And as soon as I took an introduction to HR management course, that's what got me really into it. I felt like it was that perfect synergy between, you know, um, like the business mindset and understanding businesses and all facets of it, as well as like the particular area of, um, of matching, you know, rules to like how things are supposed to be followed and, um, and really being, but still being people focused. And so like, after I had, you know, that epiphany, that's what kind of got me real focused and started into, into the HR path. And so since then I've worked for, you know, multiple organizations, um, as an internal HR, um, person, um, as an, and, and as well as an HR consultant, um, you know, consulting with over 200 different, um, small to mid-sized businesses in various fields, which is, which was very, very educational and eye-opening in, in my mind. Um, and then from that, I transitioned into to this role now at the all-in company where we focus on, you know, on recruiting um, and hiring five-star employees, which are the top 15% of the market, sort of the best of the best, and finding that true, you know, match for uh, the company as well as the individual. Cool. Yeah, we'll dive into that a little bit here on the show, but I don't know if you know, but back in 2016, the Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA championship and their slogan in the playoff run was all in. So oh. there you go. It there worked go. for them. Well, you're welcome. No, no, not you're welcome. <laughs> Way to go. That's so cool. Awesome. Well, first and foremost, I ask all my guests that are on the show after they introduce themselves to tell us what they view the purpose of human resources. So I'm so curious to get your perspective on that. Yeah. You know, um, actually, it's funny that you asked that because that was a question that was asked to me at, uh, at my first job interview for an HR role. And I said, I said to the, to who was ended up being the owner's son, um, I said, look, my purpose here is, um, is to keep you happy, which means keeping the employees happy. So I've smiled on everyone's faces. That means we're doing the right thing. And then, you know, you can kind of dive into that in the sense that, well, if people are in the right seat um, and they're on the right bus, right seat, then, um, then then we're at a good match. So if they're maximizing their skills and if they're doing what they truly love to do and, and they're, they're meeting the goals that you need, um, that the business needs, 
then, you know, we're in a really good spot. If, if the environment is a great, you know, working environment and there's conversation and there's a two-way street um, and people are listening to each other and people kind of feel like this is a second home for me, um, then again, we're in a good spot. So you're seeing happy faces and um, you're keeping kind of the employee and, and both uh, and the business in a good place. Yeah, no, the concept of that is certainly a main principle of doing HR like a boss. You got to be a business person first and understands how do you connect your people to the purpose of your business and drive those results for the organization. And as as a as a sum of that, we'll do some good in the community as a result. So that the idea is is uh, seems like that's why you fell in love with HR back when you were uh, took that intro to HR class of this combo of business and rules and compliance and putting all that together. That's really cool. It was a, it was a fun, it was a fun adventure. And, and another thing too, is, you know, uh, from when I, when I was an HR consultant and I worked with several different business owners and I was asked all the time, well, how do I, um, you know, how do I mitigate this risk? How do I, you know, make this situation, you know, better for me? And I always brought it back to the employees and I was like, look, pissed off employees cause trouble. <laughs> right. So you have to understand that. Right. And that should be something that you as a business owner understand from uh, from a um, an approach of how you are conducting business and how you're engaging with your your team and your managers. Yeah, I have this uh, overall sense and uh, st strong sentiment about it actually coming in my book, writing a, a blog about it uh, it will be released soon. And the idea is if to all CEOs, if you do not put your employees first, someone else will. And especially as we're looking at this kind of rampant change that's going on in our culture and the environment and the workplace, a lot of people, a lot of people are looking for employers that make sure that you're putting us first and that employees are a primary asset and really viewed that way by ownership, leadership, shareholders, stakeholders, et cetera. So Really cool. Well, I know one of the things you wanted to talk about on this show, you kind of already gave a tease to it for your company and how <laughs> you are supporting your clients in this idea of this five-star candidate. So what are some ways that you can share some tips and tricks to our listeners about how they can attack that, attract that top-level talent that you call five-star? One, one main principle of the, the concept of a five-star employee is is that we're truly finding a match for that, um, that employee and the business. And so every person is a five-star employee. You've just got to make sure that the person you're recruiting and hiring is the five-star employee for the role that, that is available in your organization. And so, you know, we're not mind readers. So what we need to do in, 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 um, in our recruiting process is be very specific and be very transparent about what, what we need from the people that we're hiring. So right there in the job posting, for example, you know, list what your, you know, your start date is, list what the pay is, list what the key responsibilities are, list what the success metrics are. So people who are, you know, job seekers, they can specifically see what the role expectations are. And for those who are not interested in it, who who don't want it to, you know, step up and produce those results for you, hopefully that that's going to deter them from applying in the first place. So one big, um, you know, one big tip and one big uh, thing that you can do as a, as a business owner um, is, 
be very specific and transparent in your um, in your recruitment process so that you're attracting the right people. And so five-star employees, they they're they want to be held accountable. They 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 um and and they they share the core values of the business owner, right? So these uh, these five-star employees are out there. You just have to make you, you have to make sure you're you're doing what you can to attract them into your organization. Yeah, no, great point. I'm curious from your perspective because I know we as a firm at, at the company I own, Willery, we do we do staffing and and search for talent in that HR and payroll space. And one of the things you commented on that I'm just curious of your perspective on is. What happens when you get the reverse? You 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 put out all the data you share. You you get the the details about the job uh, performance expectations, the pay, the location, the on-site, hybrid, virtual, etc. And then you get candidates that are not qualified for the role, meaning that they're not overqualified. They're they don't have applicable experience in that area, but they see your job posting. I know a lot of HR professionals mentioned to me that uh, it's not so much that we're missing out on uh, quality candidates at times. It's the no, it's the noise that you hear of candidates that don't fit that job that are just searching. They're, they're, they're seeking a role uh, for them that maybe um, is a step up or an advancement level. So I'm just curious, how, how, do, how do you handle that for your clients or what, what strategies or recommendations do you make? Yeah, so one, um, one strategy that we recommend is, um, is to implement a skills test, right? So a lot of, there, there's a big difference between you know, saying that you're going to do something and actually being able to do it. So you you come across a lot of serial, you know, interviewers, as I, as I say, who are just fantastic interviewers, you can say this, this and that, and just be the best at it. And, and you just love them. Um, but, you know, you need to have a consistent process that includes a skills test um, in that process. So that you, so that you can objectively evaluate that piece um, in that recruitment process and really understand if the person actually has the skill set to do what that job entails. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Now, one of the things I also hear quite a bit about, Hino, is the fact that a lot of HR professionals don't run toward recruiting. They look at it as a different skill set responsibility. To, to that point, I've had a number of HR professionals when I talk with them about their career aspirations, what they want to do. They tell me what they don't want to do. And sometimes the top of that list is recruiting. So tell me why you think some HR professionals really despise the idea of the recruiting function. You know, so it's, I have two, two theories on that. So my first theory is that um, in a lot of in-house, in, in a lot of in-house um, roles, when you're an in-house recruiter, um, you really need to have the buy-in and the support from the, you know, like the business owner. So the business owner is the one who can, who can actually move the mountain and 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 get the the hiring manager, you know, on board and, um, you know, asking the questions and reviewing the resumes and and doing whatever the recruiter um, is asking of that hiring manager. So sometimes I think um, in-house recruiters struggle with, you know, how to form a great relationship with the hiring team, um, with actual hiring managers, and that can be a sort of a deterrent, right? So like, a, like yes, if I, I remember when I was um, recruiting in internally, um, and when I helped, when I had that hat, oft so many times I would say, okay, well here are these resumes and. 
let's get this scheduled. And the hiring manager, you know, wouldn't act on it until the very, very last minute. And they're like, oh, I, I'm only available today. It's like, well, that's, you know, that's not really fun to deal with consistently. So I think that's, that might be um, a bit of a struggle there. And then the second part is, you know, most HR people are, are a little bit warm and fuzzy and we, we like to have relationships with other people. And when you're, um, and lots of times when you're a recruiter, you're kind of forming a relationship quickly and then you're moving on. So maybe other folks want to, um, want to be in a role where they kind of can maintain and develop people. And that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, really, really uh, interesting. Uh, the kind of the long-term aspiration of that relationship building versus that compressed 30, 60, 90 day relationship building. But I, I do know at times when you do help someone that's really great, five-star in your particular case of what you're trying to brand and sell, you can find someone like that for one of your clients. Uh, the impact at the business as well as on that person's life is incredible. And they'll always remember that recruiter and how they got into fill in the blank with the company. So speaking of awesome recruiting firms and ones that are super focused in the HR and payroll space, I, I would be remiss to not share my plug for our sponsor who's near and dear to my heart. Willery has supported the formation and continues to provide resources for the HR Like a Boss podcast. For those that you don't know, us, Willery's purpose is to empower people and is focused on supporting the mid mid-sized companies' needs around the direct hire search and temporary staffing space, along with offering a unique client-side HR technology consulting practice. So if you're struggling to find five-star HR and payroll candidates, or you're looking to upgrade and or get a return on your HR technology investment, please visit willery.com to learn more. All right, Hino, let's get back to the more important stuff. Your con your idea and your insights, people probably don't care too much about my shameless plug, but I got to do it, pay the bills and, and cover our rent for this podcast. So tell me, one of the most important things I think that has helped me in my professional career is my willingness and love for building out my network and going about it in a way that's intentional about being a, a go-giver, one that gives more than he's looking to receive. That's been something I've learned over the years. And I'm curious why you think it's so important for HR professionals to network. Yeah, you know, I feel like um, <clears throat> I feel like one of the more valuable, um, the valuable things that I've learned from HR networking is um, is HR professionals we, I, I felt like we're truly a brand, a, a group of people who just get each other. So a lot of other, um, like nobody's going to understand unless you're an in-house HR person, you're like, oh, I, I can't add you on Facebook. Oh, I can't add you on social media. And it's, um, and, but, you know, when we network with each other, we form our kind of own community. And then that community itself is such a good resource. So like, if I'm researching an area and I haven't come across it or I need a second opinion and, and we kind of operate in a, in a gray area sometimes. And so getting it, having that other person to, to reach out to and um, collaborate with is extremely helpful. Um, and so I think that's one of the, the best perks about networking. And the second being like, I mean, it's like, how else are you going to advance and and learn more um, if you don't network and meet other people, right? In the HR profession or or elsewhere in a different profession. So 
um, super helpful to to kind of always be uh, growing and learning um, and and helping where you can. So like I I love helping people. I love problem solving, just like other HR people. And you can't do that um, in an island by yourself. <laughs> Yeah, human resources is all about people and building those relationships. And a critical component of that is acquiring and attracting and recruiting and developing talent. And there's no better way to do that than to network, share your story. And I, I love that idea about building out your community. All right. Well, I get I'll get you out of here on this. My last question for all guests is centered around the idea of doing HR like a boss. So this podcast has that name. The book that'll be out later this summer in 2023 is called HR Like a Boss. So Hino, I'm curious of your perspective of what it takes to do HR Like a Boss. Yep. It takes, um, I think it takes grit. I think it takes honesty and I think it takes a smile. <laughs> Those are fantastic. Three great words. Well, you started with that smile. I'll do a quick recap of some of the things you shared. Thanks so much for being on the show. You did a great job. You talked initially about putting smiles on everyone's faces from your leadership team, owners, employees, kind of that happy employee makes happy life concept. So congratulations on that initial great, great point to get the show started. You talked about the importance of having grit as an HR professional and, and truly in your recruiting. I know that's a, a skill and experience and a service you you have focused your, your life's work on in finding the right match for your employees, the candidates and the role within your organization and the culture that which each client has, like really making sure you're matching those up. So it's, as you call it, five-star. One of the ways you talked about helping the HR pros is looking at those skill tests to help qualify all the candidates that apply to the roles you have. And then make sure to find a way to form relationships with your candidates, even though it might be short-lived, uh, to help you increase the joy that you as an HR professional might find in recruiting. And then last but not least, just the benefits of building out your own personal network, creating that fellowship, that camaraderie, that community, and helping you to grow and develop your own personal network. So thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please leave a rating or review, or better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.